Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Friday, November 11th, and we made it to the end of the week. Heading into a beefy, beefy week 10 schedule. Oh, my God. I mean, we had we had a beautiful time with all those bye weeks last week. Now we're chock full again, okay? There's no going outside. There's no fun. Um, it's just writing and stats and analyzing and all that nonsense. So here to preview this intense week 10 slate is two of my favorites. One is Charles McDonald. Not making his Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast debut. I think I've had you on like three or four previous iterations of the show, but this is the first time you as an official Yahoo employee, a colleague, uh, a brother are on the show with me in this iteration. Charles, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm definitely a little tired. You know, I think we hit the halfway point of the season. I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit, but it's Friday. Uh, I'm ready for the weekend. I'm ready to bring in the weekend by talking to you guys. It's a first time here as an official Yahoo employee. Love it. We are very excited to have you. And of course, also joining me is a usual clown here. It's Andy Barons. That's right. You are your royalty on the waiver show. You're just a typical jester here on the preview show. What's going on, Andy? Yeah, just a just a peasant. That's fine. No, that's fine. I'm I'm hey, we're we've entered the Justin Fields era in the NFL. So I, it's like it's like I am I am reborn as a fantasy analyst. I'm so excited. Beautiful. All right. Well, we've got four teams on by. We've got the Bengals, Patriots, Jets and Ravens. But we do have a beefy Week 10 preview here. Let's get it started. What we do here, if you're not familiar with the show, we go game by game. The two knuckleheads here give me one thing you need to know from this game. And then we end up talking about the whole damn game. Anyways, we go like 70 minutes on the pod. Producer uh, Lord Podcast slacking me on the side like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So we got a lot to talk about here. Let's get right into it. We've got Seahawks at Buccaneers over there in Germany this week. Charles, I'll start with you. What do the people need to know about this game? Uh, I think what you need to know about this game is that the Seahawks weirdly have like an MVP caliber quarterback this year. It's like the most unlikely MVP performance that I've seen so far with Geno Smith. Uh, you know, it, he's a guy who, who probably didn't get a fair shot with the Jets in the past. And 
is more than making up for that now um, with Seattle because, I mean, he's playing better than uh, Russell Wilson is easily in Denver. And uh, I think he's kind of played himself into maybe he can be Seattle's long-term answer at quarterback for the next few years. If he can continue like making plays against a, a Bucks defense that's uh, pretty good, I know uh, last week they shut down a pretty bad Rams offense, but they've done that to most teams they've played this year. If he can continue to do that, uh, I think he's probably going to end up seeing himself in some legit MVP conversations towards the end of the season. Yeah, especially now with Josh Allen's injury, that's going to open up like a, a bit of room there to climb the ranks. Um, you know, I, I cited a piece that our mutual friend Derek Klassen wrote on Football Outsiders, and he um, followed it up with the thought that, um, you know, that this is kind of like a Ryan Tannehill when he got to Tennessee, like an out of nowhere became, you know, like their long term ish starting quarterback, like played himself into a new contract. I actually think that comparison might be better than my old comparison, which was this feels a lot like. Ryan Fitzpatrick's year with the Jets because it was just this like random eruption year with like two good receivers. But I actually kind of feel like since then, Gino has proven himself to be even better than just like a random flash in the pan to your point. Yeah. I mean, the, the if you remember back to when um, Ben McAdoo, excuse me, was coaching the Giants, he wanted to bench Eli Manning for Gino Smith. I. Uh, and right side know, of history. <laughs> yeah. He was definitely on the right side of history there. And, you know, workplace politics kind of happened and Eli Manning got to take back over as uh, the starting quarterback. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting to see him get a shot because I remember when we were on draft Twitter way back in the day, uh, you know, Gino was a guy who people thought was uh, a pretty talented quarterback prospect. And he, he never really got a chance in uh, either really in either New York spot. And now uh, a decade later, we're seeing him play well in Seattle. So uh, to me, this looks better than what Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing with the Jets. Like it, it looks like a, a, a more sustainable style of play where you're not just like praying on Brandon Marshall, go get jump balls. Like you're, you're actually yeah. making plays <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and finding holes in the defense and making accurate throws down the field. So yeah. Seahawks top top ten quarterback they're getting like top five play this year it's it's really bizarre yeah he's just running the offense man Andy on the other side of the ball this whole season has been like a Pete Carroll victory lap he's obviously victory lapping over the offensive side as Charles just put it you know he's like subtweeting Russell Wilson uh kind of quietly every single week but the <laughs> the cherry on top here Andy as you put it here like the Seahawks defense suddenly coming around at this point. Yet not not just coming around, but like over the last four weeks, you can compose a pretty reasonable argument that no defense is playing better. They um, last three weeks, they've allowed four point two yards per play, which is the lowest rate in the league. And it's not like they're it's not like they've faced, you know, the Texans, the Colts, whatever. Like it's a real schedule. And and this is coming immediately after they gave up something like 84 combined points to Detroit and the Saints. Um, they were legitimately like for a month in in this season, they were a defense that you were just desperate to see on the schedule. Right. Like if your dudes were playing the Seahawks, you were like, oh, yeah, that's the tiebreaker. I got to I got to start these guys. Um, and they flipped it completely. Um, they are they are suddenly a, a somewhat difficult matchup. And this feels like, I don't know, the the total in this game is like 44 and a half, 45. I don't I don't know that we get there unless the Seahawks yeah. get us there, because uh, both of these defenses are obviously pretty good. But the but Seattle has just been playing. I, I don't off the top of my head. I don't remember a situation where 
I had convinced myself that a defense was maybe the worst in the league. And then it immediately turned around in such a in such a stark way. Yeah, I, I definitely can't remember that either. But it's just like the young talent kind of coalescing around Pete Carroll, who's a proven defensive mind. How do you think the Bucks? Uh, attack this defense if they can at all because one big change we've seen sort of in the offense you know I, I pointed this out a few weeks ago that Todd Bowles came out and said like we got to see if the the old guys can still play and if the young guys can play and when he said that if you were just looking at the offense and there's obviously guys you could point to on defense too you if you just look at the offense it's like okay one old guy who's not performing so well old-ish guy Leonard Fournette and then like Rashad White is somebody a lot of people want to see on the field that's been sort of a bit of a changing of the guard there. Or and, and Lenny's pissed about it too. Like he's let he's yeah. let it out in the media that he's not he's not happy about it. Yeah, I mean it's one thing if you are if you are clearly, you know, on a per touch basis, one of the better players at your position in the league to really grouse about this publicly, but he's not. I mean, he's not <laughs> he's he's not playing well. And it's not it's not as if Rashad White is, you know, um doing like Tony Pollard stuff on limited touches. He's he's not. He hasn't had a a tremendous season but he's he is the only person who seems to be handling this situation like a like a grown-up in any way and it you know we've we've talked about Rashad White enough before like he was just one of my favorite prospects I I think he can do anything that you would want a modern running back to do it hasn't been perfect on the on the field to to this point but he is coming off his first game with double digit touches he's not, he didn't really play um an unusual number of sta- snaps by his recent standards or anything like that but he was on the field late in the game like in a in the game deciding drive he was playing that was good to see also on that game deciding drive like they they built the whole offense around like Scotty Miller and Kate Otten suddenly that was that was wild too um but yeah i i i got to believe we're going to see a little bit more Rashad White um if only because Leonard Fournette has just been so like relentlessly ordinary Next game up, smooth transition from the Russell Wilson subtweets right into the Russell Wilson game here. Broncos at Titans. Titans are two and a half point favorites. We have, as expected, a 36 and a half over under. Charles, I mean, if you want to talk about like fun fantasy games, this ain't it. No, no, no. This is this is not it at all. Uh, because as as bad as the Broncos offense has been, their defense has been good. Uh, you know, when, when the when, when the Broncos made this trade for Russell Wilson, the idea was, hey, well, we have a defense that's ready to win the Super Bowl. We put in Russell Wilson. We'll be where we need to be. The defense has held up their end of the bargain, like, mm-hmm. in, in a very big way this season. Uh, it, it It's not a stretch to say they're the best defense in the NFL. Um, don't think the Titans will qualify as the best offense in the NFL. I know somehow... They were able to go to Kansas City on the road, uh, push that game to overtime, and they converted one third down the entire game. Uh, I, I don't know like what kind of magic <laughs> Mike Vrabel has those guys working through, but uh, they seem to be competitive every single game. You know, I it, I, I would be afraid to. I feel like I, I look. I, first of all, let me let me say this: I'm not very good at fantasy football. Like I'm not good at all. <laughs> but it, if I had any players that were a part of this game, I would hesitate in starting them because one, on the Broncos offense side, I mean that's just it's been accessible this year. There's, there's there's nothing good there. Uh and on the flip side with the Titans offense going against the Broncos defense, there's not really anything for the taking there. Uh Patrick Sustain might be the best cornerback in the NFL and they got a lot of good players too. So uh this is this is a wasteland game. Yeah, I wrote about 
Pastertan and like the number one receivers he's erased at certain points this year. A few weeks ago, my stats column, who, who's he going to erase here? Chris Conley, Nick exactly. Westbrook, Kikina. Those, those dudes like erased themselves last week against the Chiefs. Even when Malik Willis put the ball at a decent spot, like those guys can't make plays. It is worth noting Ryan Tannehill uh, back full at practice. Like he's probably going to be back in this game. Um, I mean, I think that's probably better for the Titans offense, but still no one, no one there in the passing game for fantasy. Uh, obviously you're, you're playing Derrick Henry, but Andy w- w- Charles is right. Ideally you'd love to avoid this game in fantasy, but <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are gross here. Okay. We're, we're total. You, we've called you what the Duke of dumpster diving before on the waiver show. So let's dive <laughs> God, into the dumpster sure here in the, in the Broncos offense. Is there anything we can get excited about here? Um, I excited is a little strong. Um, we can, yeah, we can add Greg Dulcich and, um, feel that we have resolved the tight end position for a week or two. Right. Um, like he's just been, he's just been good in, in every game so far. He's, uh, he's made a little bit of noise, right? He makes his NFL debut. He scores a 39 yard touchdown. Uh, the following week he, he sees nine targets. It was 87 yards in the London game. Like he's been good. And he is he is playing well at a position that has like two guys. Um, so anybody can sneak into like that top eight, top 10 status at tight end. So I think I think Dulcich is there. Um, we also get, I guess, uh, like our first exciting look at what uh, the, this backfield uh, after adding Chase Edmonds. We'll see if he's a thing. Oh. Um, it's just a brutal <laughs> matchup, right? It's it's uh, Tennessee's a great run defense. Um, Chase Edmonds has been just a. a an abysmal player this year. He's <laughs> like nobody's been nobody's been worse on a on a per touch basis. So we'll see if the Broncos decide that 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 guy is uh, the the player to add an explosive element to the offense. I'm at least curious about the receiver split too, because in the previous three games before the bye, you mentioned Greg Dulcich, clear cut role there, second on the team in targets with 17. First has been Jerry Judy. There's been a pretty good gap between him and Cortland mm-hmm. Sutton in those three weeks, and that's really not how it started when Judy was banged up. Cortland Sutton, in his last three games, six catches for 50 yards. Not per game, total. Six catches for 50 yards, 3.1 yards per target. It's been pretty rough, which, I mean, I think Sutton is just like, he's okay. He's not a great number one receiver like folks were kind of billing him this year. I, I talked about that a lot this offseason, and I don't know. I'm I'm still like not 100% sure where I fall down on Jerry Judy but you know 26% of the team targets 28.7% of team air yards in that three game stretch like I think he might he might get into like the every week wide receiver three discussion uh, but that's about all you're looking for in this offense so we can keep it moving next game up here Browns at Dolphins Um, Andy immediately Jeff Wilson jumps right into a big time role for this team yeah, didn't it didn't see it coming. Um, we we knew that he was going to be like, I don't know, I thought he was kind of a low key winner at the trade deadline. Right. Because he obviously he was buried in San Francisco and then he went to a place where we assumed he he needed a Raheem Mostert injury to, to have serious fantasy value. But it turns out that, uh, you know, between the, the trust that uh, Mike McDaniel has in him and his familiarity with the offense as it uh, already existed, like they just threw him right in. And it's a 50 50 uh, split, right? Like he he out touched Mostert, um, out gained him. The snaps were basically even like he they're all of a sudden like a really difficult pair to to rank. Um, they throw to them both. <laughs> so like Wilson is all of a sudden a factor and somebody that I think we're going to be flexing for a while. And this is, you know, the, the Browns are not a, a stay away matchup. So that's pretty exciting as well. No, definitely not. They've been one of the worst defense run defenses, at least in the NFL. Um, 
Charles, you know you're on a fantasy podcast when you know you, you jump right in. It's like, oh, Browns and Dolphins, and the first thing we talk about is freaking Jeff Wilson. Yeah, I was like, who's a crowd? No, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I think he's a great football player. For us. <laughs> Jeff Wilson. What are we doing here? How about the same offense as Tyreek Hill? Oh, I'm sorry. You thought we were going to talk about Nick Chubb? No, we're not going to talk about Nick Chubb. But yeah, this is like the opposite of the last game we talked about um, because I don't don't really foresee either of these defenses having a whole lot of success, uh, especially given, you know, the the type of offensive talent we're talking here. Uh, Nick Chubb should stampede through the Dolphins defense and on the flip side. Um, you know, the, the Browns secondary is interesting because they they do have like name brand talent. Um, when you're talking about Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, John Johnson, Grant Talbot, but you know, as a whole, though that that secondary group has not played well uh really at all this year. But uh, played played well at all this year. So I uh, when you, when you look at just the coaching mismatch between Mike McDaniel and uh, Joe Woods, the Browns defensive coordinator, like, I, I, w- I would expect this to be another 30-point game for the Dolphins, <laughs> you know, barring someone gets hurt. But it, it's been amazing just to see how quickly, like, Mike McDaniel has been able to come in and kind of set precedent. Like, yeah, we're going to score a whole lot of points. You guys are going to be wide open, and we're going to have it with the two fastest wide receivers in football. And I don't see why this week would be any different for them. Browns have sort of um, trans like not not a complete transition, but they've gone really really zone heavy the last two weeks. They've been the fifth heaviest zone coverage team in the NFL over their last over the last two weeks. Like I think that can maybe help this defense, right? Um, and nobody plays man coverage against the Dolphins. Like Tua is one of the lowest in terms of dropbacks versus man coverage because you tell you what you line up against. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and man coverage, you know what they're going to do? They're going to be wide-ass open, right? And we've seen that plenty of times uh, this year, even when teams don't. This offense is incredible because these two are, you know, they're probably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL right now. They're certainly the most dynamic. They're they're certainly the most hard, like the most difficult to defend. On the Brown side, uh, I mean, either one of you guys can tell me how you feel about this. Uh, Dalton Del Don is like dead set on Jacoby Brissett being like a top I don't know, like a top 10 quarterback this week in fantasy. Um, and it, I mean, um, it's just, I guess it's just the the excitement of this game. And, you know, the matchup is really good. Uh, I've got Josh Allen on like all my good fantasy teams. So I'm like, hey, Dalton, give me more of what you're selling there about Jacoby Brissett. If this is going <laughs> to save, save me. It's Jacoby Brissett, though. Like, <laughs> it, 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 if you get a stinker, you're not allowed to be surprised. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was like, last week. That. Last week, I got all excited about MVS uh, against the Titans, and I was like, you know what? He ends up with nothing, L- quite literally nothing. And it's like, you know what? You're not, that's exactly right. You're not allowed to be mad about that. You get in bed with bad players, like, and they give you nothing. You're not allowed to be mad about that. That's I mean, he gave you 12 yards in a game when Patrick Mahomes dropped back 78 times. So that's, uh, yeah. that's something, right? <laughs> 1.8% targets per route run. I mean, just peak cardio club type <laughs> just of stuff. Just getting cardio out there. <laughs> At least he's getting his steps in. All right, next game up here, we got Saints at Steelers. Um, Andy, there's been a lot of Jalen Warren buzz. I feel like it's this. This has happened, but we've seen this story before, only for it to not mean anything. Good. Yeah, there. I don't. I don't. I don't know that this. Oh yeah, you thought we were talking. Jokes on you. Like find a good player in this game. Um, (laughs) So we start right off with Jalen Warren. Before this. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, like, like there have been actually some reports this week um, that that don't necessarily rely on Mike Tomlin quotes about about Jalen Warren seeing a, a greater percentage of the workload. Like all of this is just sort of an indictment of Najee Harris. Um, it's not even necessarily excitement about Jalen Warren. It's just that Najee has been, uh, you know, so unproductive on pretty significant workload. Like, like Jalen Warren is averaging 2.3 yards more per touch than Najee Harris is on the season. Um, again, not that Warren is doing anything special necessarily, but it also feels like one of those situations where maybe you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when there was like a low level of excitement for a, a changing of the guard in that backfield. It still feels like it's just local reporters asking leading questions of Mike Tomlin, and then he tries to say some nice things about Jalen Warren, and then we're spitting this into aha, like there's going to be a there's going to be a real changeover. I'm not sure that's going to happen because when when Jalen Warren himself talks about it, he's he's like, oh, Najee's our guy. Um, I'm just here to I'm just here to rotate. I'm just here to relieve him um, and uh, and compliment him. So I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure this is going to happen. But in a in a deep league, I think you probably want to have Jalen Warren stashed already in case it does. I mean, listen, just we're we're really slinging through through mud here at this point because I don't want to get excited about anybody in this high school offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, this is bad. Charles, I, I think it. I mean, obviously, you, you watch a lot of watch a lot of film, watch a lot of film on offenses. I think it's the worst designed offense, like worst conceptually in the entire NFL. Agree or disagree? It it it's up there. I mean, it's <laughs> it's crap. It's just, it's just crap. Um, <laughs> even you know, going back to 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 college, it's it's not like Matt Canada has been this guy that's been you know a super duper successful offensive coordinator i mean like he's had his, his moments in his seasons where where things have kind of clicked for him when they when they have a lot of talent but you know he, he i i don't think people look at him as like you know what this is a guy that we have to have run their offense and uh you look at what they're doing in pittsburgh it's just yeah i, I mean I, I don't i don't really know how many guys would would have uh, a lot of success with the the personnel that they've been given, especially like on the offensive line and maybe a quarterback too. I don't know. We'll, we'll see with Kenny Pickett. I don't. I don't know about that one. Uh, yeah. But uh, they, they're they're just kind of in a space where they don't really know what they want to be. But none of it is creative. It's like fake creative. Like we're gonna yeah. shift the whole bunch before the snap, but then we'll just run inside zone or something something <laughs> like that. It's it, it, it's it's not good. And and trust me, I've I've exposed myself to too much of this because in one of my fantasy leagues, I drafted Najee Harris with a first round pick and um, not, not having a good time watching that unfold. No, not having a good time. Any hope though, for a guy like George Pickens coming off his, you know, post by rookie bump. I mean, that guy is obviously really talented. He showed extremely well. I hope they get him to stop. I mean, just absurd. The go routes enough with the go routes already, like with Kenny Pickett yeah. too. Uh, I mean, it's just it, him and Johnson are like top five in terms of go routes on the season. It just, it makes just no sense at all. Pickens theoretically should be, um, you know, more targets pushed his way um, with, Chase Claypool out the door. Although Mike Tomlin said in a press conference, like, oh, not not much is going to change with Chase Claypool out the door. Which I mean, rousing endorsement for Chase Claypool yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, George uh, George he's good. I I think they should yeah. throw him the ball more. Um, and you know the benefit of playing on like what I what I personally think is the worst team in the NFL this season. Uh, you're you're going to be down a lot. So you know I don't I don't know how much juice is Kenny Pickett is going to get up these pass attempts, but. The, the attempt volume should be there. And if Claypool's gone, Mike, Mike Tomlin can say, you know, not much is going to change, but like 
the math has to change just a little bit on who yeah. is going to fill whatever whatever percent of targets that he had. Uh, so yeah, I I think you should go to George. Uh, and I also think the Steelers like they're kind of at a point where you might as well start throwing a George because it's not like you win anything this year. So why not start developing guys for uh, the future? But you know they might not see it that way. No, maybe not. Um, before we move on here, just the Saints, Andy. They feel like talk, we can talk about it. the only two good players. Like I swear to God, Charles, we won't bring up like Traquan Smith or Marquez Callaway. And like uh, let's let's break those guys down in their individual matchups. Uh, Let me tell you like about Chris Mark Ingram o- and his. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, right in, right in right in the prime of his powers. Uh, no, but anyways. Chris Olave, I love his matchup this week. Um, talked about it in a video earlier this week where the Steelers are one of only five teams that have allowed 70-plus explosive plays on the or and most of those have been through the air. Yeah, I think Olave is the guy that we should be talking about. We wrote, you know, our our sort of collaborative, bold predictions uh, piece this week, and, and mine was Olave as the wide receiver one for the week. He's been like this great... I mean, he's obviously had some really nice moments. He's had some big games, but he's been also one of the great like theoretical receivers in the game because he's the air yards king and i think it just i think it just all comes together this week pittsburgh has given up you know not not that these stats are are super important but they have given up the most fantasy points on a per game basis to opposing wide receivers 13 touchdowns to opposing wideouts uh six separate individual games where people have gone over 100 yards against them and and sometimes not just a little bit over 100 yards but like way over 100 yards so if there's a if there's a Chris Olave like two touchdown 155 yard game out there, it's it's this week against this defense. And that guy's so good too. I mean, I'm telling you, that guy is like a 10 year pro right now. He's been an unbelievable receiver. I think think people still don't realize just how just how good he is as an individual talent, Chris Olave. So let's move on here. NFC North, Lions at Bears, Charles. This one, uh, I I challenge you to find a star here to talk about. Uh. <laughs> I mean, hmm. <laughs> is DeAndre Swift playing? I mean, he, this, he's got to be one of the most frustrating players in fantasy right now because he is going to play, but I don't think he's ever going to be like 100% this year. So, yes, he yeah. is playing. They I just like he played like 10 snaps last week and he gained 50 yards. Like he looked like he looked good. I I kind of wonder if at this point, too, like. Dan Campbell just maybe prefers Jamal Williams because uh, he's like a, a big time grinded out back. You know, they're in this game where, all right, we've got a lead on Aaron Rodgers. That game was like zero zero, though, for a long time. Like yeah, we got a got a lead on Aaron Rodgers. Like, let's just grind this thing out with Jamal Williams. Mm, I mean, I don't I don't I think the, like the only player that is actually has me excited to watch is Justin Fields. Um He's 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 started to figure it out. I think he's you know pulling the trigger on things that he was not earlier in the season. But outside of that, I don't I don't really know how much intrigue this game has for for me. What are you sickos looking for? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Andy, I mean, I got to give you a chance here to talk about Justin because you literally wrote on the outline: Is Justin Fields more Lamar Jackson or Steve Young, or is he the best of both? (laughs) Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, like, I, obviously, I've been a Bears fan for a really long time, and I've never seen a good quarterback in this uh, in, in this uh, associated with this franchise. Uh, it's been a while. Um, last week was really fun. Uh, it, it like the best kind of loss, right? If you gotta if you gotta lose, um, make it a coming out party for your young quarterback. He's he's rushed for 408 yards in the last four games. Um, 
And I don't like, I don't know why it took until, you know, before five weeks into the season to, to try to redesign the offense around the best traits of your most important player, but they did finally get around to it and we're getting about a half dozen design runs per game and they're encouraging him obviously to take off when, uh, when he, when the first read isn't there, first read, no, no second read and he goes and it's great. Uh, it like he was phenomenal against Miami. They spied him and it didn't matter cause he just, he just roasted the, the spy. Like, like it was great. Um, really hard to find uh fault in that game. He was much better than his receivers. Uh, you know, Claypool had, uh, I guess what I would call a drop. Equinemius St. Brown had a drop, like, you know, uh, in key situations too. Um, beautiful ball to Mooney for the touchdown. Beautiful play design on, uh, uh, you know, the 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 fake handoff and the little the little rollout to commit. I, I just feel like everything is kind of, you know, he's adjusted to the speed of the NFL and he he's so smooth right now. This has been really fun. So he gets he gets Detroit this week. And then it's Atlanta. He gets Detroit again in like week 17 and championship week. So I'm not like, I don't, I don't think Justin Fields is going to be like a top five fantasy quarterback just every week going forward, but he is going to have spots that are just absolute, um, uh, you know, blow up moments for him. And I, I think this is one of them. I think this is another big week. Andy, you've worked at Yahoo for, I think, three decades. Uh, I've worked here <laughs> since 2000. Uh, what was I hired in? Like 2018. I'm pretty sure this is the most excited I've ever seen. Like the most bounce uh, in your step, theoretically. I know you're sitting down over there. But the most bounce in your step I've seen you have about the Bears, period, since I've started working yeah. here. I've definitely had moments where, uh, you know, in the past where I was like, here's why Jay Cutler might accidentally have a good fantasy day for you this week. But I've never, I've never had this level of enthusiasm for a quarterback. No, he was the, he was the guy I wanted on draft night. I couldn't believe they traded for him. Um, and uh, it, it was just super gratifying to see uh, everything he did last week. I'll just say, too, uh, I think this is the game where Amon Ross St. Brown gets back on track for fantasy. Um, oh, you that's know, he a just, star. He's a star. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I tried yeah. to tee you up for that one, pal. And, you know, I mean. I, 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 I really have not tried to watch the Lions all that much this year. <laughs> I mean, hey, again, <laughs> us that's what us sickos have to do. We got to pay attention to all. Like, we got to love all 32 of these babies equally. You know, it, it, we got to share that love. Amon Ross St. Brown, though, I think this is a good bounce back game for him more like healthier now at this point than he has been um, really since he had that high ankle sprain earlier in the year. The Bears give up a decent bit of production to slot receivers. Um, last week, I think he was just sort of thwarted by the game script that we talked about earlier. So let's move on to the next game here. Two good teams, although uh, we might get the Case Keenum revenge game, boys. Uh, that's <laughs> that's exciting. I, I have literally, because I have so many Josh Allen teams, I have so many Stephon Diggs teams, I've been like re- visiting the game logs of like oh yeah remember like case keenum and steph Diggs in minnesota there's a thing here like i don't have to get i don't have to get uh too sad about it so um my expectation i don't know about you two is that josh allen probably does not play in this game and we do get the case keenum revenge game against the vikings i don't know although i say let me just let me talk to myself here for a second revenge game like that that team got him paid like a boatload of yes. money by john yeah. elway and the denver broncos oh, yeah. so maybe no yeah. revenge yeah <laughs> Look, Case Keenum had that was the team where he had, you know, his his moment, his moment to secure generational wealth and have an NFL job whenever he wanted. It, you know, you get to the, the the playoffs, have the moment against the Saints, NFC championship game. That's good enough to get a backup role for for how long you need it. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting, though, just looking at how the Bills offense is 
it, it just it, like how it functions with Josh Allen is to me at least he he is just the gravitational force of that offense like on the ground they expect a lot out of him uh through the air i mean it, it's a pretty pretty high degree of difficulty passing game and that's because he has like the most outrageous arm in the NFL and because he does make it hard on himself sometimes but he can hit those throws uh, I, I just kind of wonder, like, what this offense looks like with, with Case Keenum at the helm because it's just – obviously, he can't do what Josh Allen does, and, and the Bills haven't really – to me, they haven't really shown, like, an offense plan beyond Josh Allen beating their lineup. It's funny, Andy. I don't want to bring you down because we just talked about Justin Fields, but, like, I'm going to say the name Mitch Trubisky here. Um, when Mitch <laughs> was the backup last year, it's like I sort of kind of see that, right? Like – because, I mean, he's not nearly as talented physically. Uh, he's not nearly as good at football uh, as we've seen <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense this year as Josh Allen is. But, like, a guy that could move around a little bit. Case Keenum, yeah. though, is going to is gonna be – he's, like, more of a traditional West Coast quarterback, I, th- I think, at least in, in like, the these days with the Vikings and stuff like that. That's what we saw from him. So, Andy, how much, if at all, are you changing, like, expectations for fantasy players um, beyond – I think beyond Stefan Diggs in this Bills offense? Yeah, this this has been tough. So I, I went through the re-ranking process, uh, which, you know, honestly, like, Gabe Davis is so difficult to rank in a normal week. Cause he's either going to blow up or he's going to give you like two catches for 30 yards. Um, I, I guess I lean more to the two catches for 30 yards game in this one. Um, lowered expectations for him. Didn't, didn't do much with Diggs. Um, like Diggs is just too good a player to, to sit. So who cares where you, where you rank him necessarily. I can, on, on the one hand, I can talk myself into maybe seeing a little bit more of, of Devin Singletary because you don't, you don't have to worry so much about Josh Allen. Like, you know, poaching carries near the goal line or, or just, um, you, you know, running the ball in himself. On the other hand, the, the upside and the ceiling for the offense generally is so much lower when, you know, the whole thing, as, as Charles said, is, is really built around the talents of Josh Allen. So plugging a, a totally dissimilar quarterback into that could be, could get really weird. And uh, there's, there's no reason for me to, you know, like I, I can't get that excited about Devin Singletary when I no longer think that the Bills are just a lock to reach, you know, 28 points, 31 points, 34 points. I don't I don't think we're there. So Diggs is the one element here that I that I really trust. On the Viking side of this, it's like I don't even really know what to say about them. They're so like tidy as a team. You know, I don't think Kirk Cousins has we talked about this uh, yesterday with Dalton, like. Kirk's not having his most efficient season. I mean, he's having his most like shirtless uh, season of all time. That's <laughs> yeah, great job, Kirk. But it's like you play Justin Jefferson, you play TJ Hawkins, and you play Dalvin Cook, and, and you know you can kind of consider Adam Thielen on that like wider, deeper flex borderline. But that's it. Like the Vikings are a super easy team to figure out at this point. And I appreciate them at least uh, in this in this season being that way. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to see Hawkinson's usage after, you know, just showing up with a new team midseason. You don't think of tight end as being a particularly easy position to to simply slide onto a new roster at the middle of the year and, and produce, but he definitely did. All right. Three of us are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a banger to preview on the other side of this thing. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. 
The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. As I promised, it's a banger. Texans at Giants. Um, Charles, let's talk about Saquon Barkley. That's a good running back. Uh, the yeah. last three backs to go against Houston have absolutely filleted them. Josh Jacobs flays them. Uh, Derrick Henry, despite having no passing game, Another 200-yard game against the Texans. Miles Sanders, nice game on Thursday night against this Texans defense. I mean, expectations for Saquon Barkley as the you know the gravitational force of this offense, obviously very high this week. Yeah, uh, I don't see why he wouldn't go off again. Uh, he he he's just on another level. Like when when he's healthy, I think it it it's really is. Uh, just watching from an athletic standpoint is is kind of crazy because uh, I remember even went through that Jacksonville game uh, a few weeks ago when they closed it out with like nine straight runs by him and it's fourth quarter and he's still making people miss in the hole and exploding for 10 yards down the field. I would expect this to be another big game for him. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Texans are, are they're, they're pretty bad. They are who we thought they were uh, coming into the season and you know, it, it, it's these are the games where you expect someone like Saquon Barkley to go off, and unless they just for some reason can't block the Texas defensive line, then you should expect them to go off this week. On the other side, too, Damian Pierce, I mean, he's been awesome this year. He's got to be at least like first or second up there with Ken Walker in terms of like favorites for offensive rookie of the year because it always ends up being a running back. Even as a wide receiver guy, as Andy, what do you call me? Like a, a receiver prop reception propagandist or whatever you do on Sunday Influencer. morning? Like yeah. something like that. Either way, I, I know it always ends up going to a damn running back. So that's probably what's going to happen here or quarterback. Eh, that's not going to happen this year. So Damian Pierce, really good. But like the Texans passing game, hasn't been fun bad like they they've they've just been pretty bad except guys like you know philip dorsett having success that that tight end i've literally never heard of on thursday night football catching a touchdown but <laughs> we might get nico collins back in this game we might get brandon cooks back in this game although i don't know how excited brandon cooks is about his about his position right now although i mean come on brandon like what did you think was going to happen you signed that big ass extension and then you you, you, yeah. you want to get traded like i mean come on man what what do you, you think was going to happen with that Free one him. But, I mean, it would be nice. They should. Uh, I mean, Brandon Cooks missed a game just just having a sad last week. That's, that's just wild to me. Um, I, I know we're calling it a wrist injury. Fine. Um, yeah, he's like he he's. I watched an interview. Game. I watched an interview with him this morning, like just a, a post practice, like you know the reporters all surround him and he's got the phones in the face and all that. That guy looks so so miserable, and I get it. I get it. Yeah, he I mean, he just feels like he's like every week the rest of the season is going to be five catches for 60 yards. That's basically what he's done all year. There's there's very little blow up possibility here in this offense for anyone other than Damian Pierce. I'm you know, you, you, I think you and I both entered the season kind of excited to see what we might get from Nico Collins. It's difficult to imagine a blow up week from him as well. It's just it's just not there. But 
if I can just backtrack to um, Charles's points about about Saquon, nobody has missed against uh, against Houston's defense this year. It's like it's wild. They they have given up the most fantasy points to running backs by just a ton. They give up the only big week to Jonathan Taylor. Khalil Herbert had a huge week against them. Eckler had a huge week against them. The Broncos like combo back situation had a huge week. Like just nobody's missed. ETN, everybody's everybody's getting like 150 against uh, against Houston. Yeah, um, I'm excited about Wando Robinson. I want to see if they can use him in more real receiver r- ways as opposed to just little pop gun stuff. Because I think he's Andy. I know we've talked about Wando Robinson. Like he's, I, I you know watching all of his routes and stuff like that. He's got a lot of ability as a contested catch receiver, which is not what I would have thought I'd said about uh, Wandell Robinson. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on here. We'll move on, though, to Jaguars at Chiefs. Charles, um, what do we got in this game? Oof. I, I think we're getting a master class from the most underrated player in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, you know? That's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the dumbest take that I've had on Twitter, but it, it gets people upset, so I keep going with it. I. I, I think I think you I think you that you were ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, you know, you, you found it. You found a sleeper. You put it. You put your brand to him. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff there. That's good. That's good marketing. That's how you ended up. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's how Yahoo discovered you for sure. Yeah, like, they were like, this wow, guy, this guy said, ball. He, he's he's ballsy, right? He had the, the nerve to call Patrick Mahomes <laughs> most underrated player in the NFL. After I saw him number eight on the NFL top 100, I said uh, underrated, <laughs> most underrated player in the league right there. Uh, but, you know, really, w- what we're seeing this year with the Chiefs is uh, I-, I think Patrick Mahomes, like, he's kind of entered that Peyton Manning era or or level where you- you're like, as long as we have 15 under center, we're good. Uh, we're we're, we're going to figure out some way to win. I mean, even last week against the Titans, uh, it wasn't the, the-, the cleanest uh, performance from him, but they still figure out a way to get it done. And I think what's been so impressive to me is – like as the season has gone along, you're starting to see the Chiefs have plans for these wide receivers that have filled the Tyree Kill uh, target vacuum. You know whether it's you know Juju going off or uh, MVS picking his spots uh, once in a while. Uh, I I think that this offense like they have a lot of ways to attack you, and um, I'm not sure that I'm I'm not really sure like if this Jaguars defense is quite up to this task yet. Uh, I think they have potential like in the future Trayvon Walker if you can get him to be more consistent pass rusher you might have something there Tyson Campbell looks like a stud but as a whole like they don't quite have the personnel to slow down uh who I believe to be the best quarterback in the NFL you you know what I think is wild about um Mahomes's arrival you know at a fairly young age at that Peyton Manning level is where people are just kind of talking around him in the MVP race right like if you see like mainstream outlets talking about who's who's the MVP this year it's Jalen Hurts it's Tua it's um, it, it's Gino. Like, there's a whole bunch of na- like Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns, and is an actual sorcerer, right? <laughs> like, it's just it's yeah. wild that he's not leading that discussion to me. Teammate elevator too. I mean, these guys. Yeah. I think Juju's fine, um, but he's the only guy I would say is like even an average starting receiver in this offense. Like, they're at the point too where you know McCole Hardman has like an abdominal injury. You know, hasn't practiced for two straight days. I'm like, oh man. That's a 
No, he's been a key player for them so far this year. I wonder if, you know, this room yeah. opens up the room for Kadarius Tony. Sky Moore is like, we're talking about McCole Hardman, bro. Like, give me a break. Um, th- <laughs> this has legitimately been like a teammate elevating season for Mahomes. It's why I think he probably is the MVP favorite at this point. And I mean, the takes were out there, man, that when people were all gassed up, myself included, although I didn't say this thing, but like I was gassed up about the AFC West. Everybody was gassed up about the AFC West. There were folks out there like, Oh man, Mike, the Chiefs finished fourth in this division without Tyreek Hill and his low and it's like, come on, man. That's where the the, the Mahomes <laughs> underrated take came from, too. I'm like, you guys are severely underrating how good that guy is if you think the Chiefs are gonna be anywhere near fourth in the division. People have such a difficult time separating like good players from good players. It's like well, who made who? Patrick Mahomes or Tyree yeah. Kill? It's like, well, you know, shoot, man. They can both be good at football and, like, be all right without each other. And that's exactly what we've seen. I think they're obviously – it's fair to ask the questions and stuff like that. But, yeah, Mahomes is always going to be fine. Um, I guess we could talk about the Jaguars in this game, too. Uh, I guess. I guess. I mean, they've got Travis Etienne. they got Christian Kirk, Andy. That's good stuff. And And – to Charles' point, too, about the defense, I think there's potential here for the future, but the fact that their cornerback room is so, so bad right now, I think the Chiefs will be able to build a lead, and I think the Jaguars will have to throw to get out of it. Uh, yeah, one one nice thing about ETN is he can be part of that, too, right? So you're you're just starting him under any circumstances against, uh, against pretty much any team. Christian Kirk's uh, targets have absolutely come back. Uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence made some throws last week. Like, it was... It was kind of Justin Fields week, um, but but Trevor Lawrence was good. Like that guy's that guy's got an arm. You know, there's there's a couple of head scratching throws every week as well. But that's that's just a young player thing. But he's he's definitely been plenty promising this season. I think uh, it's big. It's a big Christian Kirk week, though. So, he, I think yeah, so I think too. you're right. Like we, we kind of they're not quite where the Vikings are, but I think we we know exactly who to start from the Jaguars weekend and week out. Colts at Raiders. Who boy, I mean, where to start? Where to, where to, where to start? Uh, the Raiders are six point favorites. The Raiders blown three 17 point leads this year. One of the most disappointing units in the entire NFL. They just placed Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro on IR. They're six point favorites, at least when we put together this outline. That's where they were. I don't know if that's going to change. I don't know how much it can change. I mean, Sam Ellinger is making his third career start. He's had a, he's had three different offensive, like, not play callers necessarily, but like coordinators, right? Frank Reich, Frank Reich, and then Marcus Brady was involved, then he wasn't involved, and now we've got this. Um, what's the guy's name? I mean, he, Parker Parks Frazier, Parks Frazier, Parks Frazier, and he's like a pure. Um, I was listening to Randy Mueller on the uh, Football GM show talk about this. Like he he's like a pure Frank Reich, like has been grooming this guy forever, like a pure friends and family hire uh, yeah, by I, by Frank I, Reich. I had to look up. Because I, I I had no idea who this guy was when they announced this no. week that he was going to be calling plays. So I went to his Wikipedia page, and first I found Frank Frank Reich officiated his wedding. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Shut yes, up. and oh two, he he his home was once shot up with seventy seven rounds in a, a mistake hit attempt. So. Parks Frazier, it's got a little of an interesting backstory here. He's lived, he's lived, lived some life. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he's <laughs> only like thirty years old too. Yeah, right. I mean, he's dude. He's younger than me. That is, that's 
it's a little tilting for me to be honest that he's <laughs> that he's younger than I am. There's like yep. a dude calling plays in the NFL that he's younger than me. That's not ideal. I'll I'll consider that one for a while. But I mean, dude, Charles, this is this whole situation. I mean, Andy and I kicked it around on Monday. I've talked with a lot of the other guys. It's just it's it's bizarre to the point that I'm not even sure I can. Like, I don't know if I find it cute. I find the whole thing like a little bit insulting um, and not a little bit is to, to say the least. Yeah, it's but stupid. It's stupid. But this 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 offense, though, in Indianapolis, too, it's like, you know, I've had I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with any of these players. Like, I, I mean, Michael Pittman's been getting a ton of volume, but like Sam Ellinger has been a joke. Like even this even dude, even the Sam Ellinger thing is a little bit ridiculous because this guy like I keep come back to this point. When they said they're going to start this guy for the whole season, it's like he's not some promising player. Like he's right. a total rando. I mean, can we get can we get your boy Matt Ryan back in there? I mean, I, can't I, Matt- I, I, look. They they gave up on the season essentially at three three and one, which I don't think it, it it's it's a <laughs> it's a point that really can't be stressed enough. Like when all all of this thing when all these crazy things started to happen uh, with Jim Irsay and the Colts, it's not like they were you know one and seven trying to, you know, figure out what's next. They they're they were in the playoffs. Uh they were in the playoff race at the time. And I I, I guess, you know, what Jim Ursay had decided for himself and the rest of the organization was that Mac Ryan was not going to be the quarterback for the Colts in 2023. Which by itself, I think it's a fine decision. Like sure, yeah. <laughs> fine decision. But to 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 avoid, you know, injury payments or guarantees, because I think there's uh, something like a $17 million uh, arrangement that Matt Ryan has if he can't pass a physical uh, by the time it's, you know, by the time the next football season starts, he gets, you know, a certain amount of money. They didn't want to deal with that, or Jim didn't want to deal with that, so Matt got sent to the bench. And like you said, the thing with Sam Ellinger is it's not like, you know, he was drafted in the second round, and you're like, oh, maybe maybe he can turn it to a starter somewhere down the road. Like, this guy basically played the same role as, like, Tebow did in college, where <laughs> you're, you're just kind of like a battering ram and uh, trying to make something happen in the past game every once in a while. It, 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 it's, it's really strange to me that a, a team that is 3-3-1 and one gave their entire season to a guy who really had no prospects of being an NFL starter. And I think when you're seeing... When you watch them play over the past two weeks, you you see why he was a six round pick, you know? Yeah, uh, there's not a lot to get excited about. This is definitely, though, Andy, like a immovable force or what? What's the an unstoppable for a stoppable (laughs) force versus the movable object? There it is. Nailed it. That's podcast hosting right there, because the Raiders defense, especially their past defense, has been really, really rough this year. Yeah, you know what's funny is they've they've actually and I get it because they're playing a team that is that is pretty clearly uh in tank mode, but um the Raiders defense has been one of the most added fantasy entities in our game this week and you could not have picked up a here? worse defense. Right? <laughs> like they have <laughs> they have 9 sacks on the season. They have one sack in the last 3 weeks. Um they have three interceptions on the season. Um they are the least opportunistic defense out there. Um, and maybe you get a little something from Sam Ellinger. I, I don't know, but I, I mean, but he's coming off a game where they couldn't even like, they couldn't even stay on the field long enough to turn the ball over. Really? Like, I, I don't know that I, I don't get it with the, with the Raiders defense. Cause I also don't think we're going to get a lot of pass attempts here, which is if you're streaming defenses, 
that's really what you're yeah. chasing, right? Like you just want a game where you think the opposing quarterback is going to throw 45 times. And we are definitely not getting that from Sam. Like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to get out of the Colts this week. I have not been breaking down tape of Hebron Christian Academy or whatever. <laughs> but like, I assume that uh, Jeff Saturday wants to be like a, like an establish the run team. And if Jonathan Taylor's back, we're going to get a ton of that. And it just doesn't leave a lot of room for, uh, uh, you know, any defensive goodies for the Raiders. Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, in response to a, like a, some sort of analytics or going for two question from the the media. He, he said something to the effect of like, bruh. Yes. And he, I'm pretty sure he did say, bruh, I please play offensive line. Like I'm taking the points. It's hard out there or something like that. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I think that's about what we're going to get yeah. from head coach Jeff Saturday. So we'll see next game up here. Cardinals at Rams. Oh man. What a sad affair. Matt Stafford also not practicing uh, today. He's in the concussion protocol. Charles, which team has an, I, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to say this which team has worse vibes around it right now the cardinals who <laughs> i mean just depressing as hell or the rams also depressing as hell uh cardinals for sure because at least if you're the rams you can say hey we we kind of sold our souls for for the ring like we got the super bowl ring and this is the you know this is the flip side of our roster building strategy, you know, uh, this is well, the come down. This right, is this is this, is, this this is the come down year that that kind of had to happen for them. I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, you ran out of assets. You don't have an offensive line. It's nothing you can do. But with the Cardinals, you 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 just gave extensions to everybody. Uh, Cliff, <laughs> Kyler, Steve Kahn, everyone got extensions, and this is the product of the first year of that trio being, you know, kept together for uh, the foreseeable future. It's that, 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 that's alarming, I think. And I think what's, what, what's most alarming is uh, the Cardinals, the the Cardinals offense, there's no innovation left. Like it's, it's, it's stale. Uh, It doesn't really feel like they're trying to do anything that's forcing defenses to, to be, you know, restricted on the back end or you know just confuse people in general it's just they're they're really reliant on their talent and i think you know you're seeing deandre hopkins play pretty well but the rest of the guys uh they're just not getting a whole lot of help from the coaching staff and and in in the same breath like kyler murray needs to play better too it's just it's all bad and you don't have the recency bias of a super bowl like the rams do to kind of make you feel better about what's happening today and right on schedule here in like week 10, Kyler Murray has a hamstring injury now. So we're, we're, we're about at that chapter of the uh, Arizona Cardinals season, <laughs> although we missed like the good vibes building earlier part of the year where they trick people with a decent record. That didn't even happen this year. Now we're at the Kyler Murray's injured part. Andy, we also might get John Wolford in this game. I mean, like legitimately that that right now, I think that's probably what's going to happen. We have seen John Wolford in the past, like John McVay wanted to start John Wolford over uh, <laughs> over Jared Goff at different points at the end of that relationship as well. Yeah, we have one regular season start from Wolford. Uh, it was actually it was a win over Arizona, a a no touchdown pass win over Arizona. Um, they built the whole offense around Cam Akers, who was pretty inefficient that day. But all they did was was feed the ball to running backs and tight ends. So we didn't learn a whole lot about Wolford. Like you can. You can trust Cooper Cup here because it's great. Um, and there are no other Rams that I think you can play. The the running back situation is just an absolute mess right now. It 
probably Daryl Henderson. They don't seem to want any of the running backs on this team necessarily, which feels like a problem. But yeah, I think if it's Wolford, you can really only you can really only trust Cup. Yeah, the, Kyron Williams sounds like he'll make uh, his big debut. But again, similar with the Sam Ellinger thing, it's like this is a six-round running back like who is really good in pass yeah. protection. Like that's that's our hero here. We've given this and, game and coming enough. off a high ankle injury that required surgery, right? Like nobody should have any expectations for him. All right, we've given this game enough. Enough. Yeah, a little bit too much. A little bit too much there. Cowboys at Packers. Um, Andy, how ugly is this going to get for Rodgers? I mean, he's also got his old buddy, Mike McCarthy, coming into town. You know, Mike McCarthy's going to maybe he's going to ride the bike down Mike McCarthy way right in here to embarrass Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. You know, I mean, what are what what is this going to and like they lost Romeo Dobbs, who. Romeo Dobbs is like a fourth, was he a fourth round pick, fifth round pick? He's a day three rookie receiver. And it's like, man, they've lost Romeo Dobbs. What are they going to do now? (laughs) (laughs) Rodgers felt a little bit, I don't know, like he he almost felt exposed in that game against the Lions because it it was a game where you couldn't just say, Oh man, it's his receiving core. Oh man, it's the line. I mean, his his turnovers were just ghastly, right? Like severe underthrows, hit, hit a lion in the face um, with, with a throw. Like this is, it's a combination of a lot of things, and part of it is definitely on Aaron Rodgers, and maybe it's the injury. Um, maybe that that plays a role here. But he's he's already up to like seven interceptions on the season, which does not sound like a lot, but by his standards. That's crazy. He's like he doesn't finish seasons with double digit interceptions, but it's definitely happening here. He he looked like he and Sammy Watkins had never met uh, before the game. They were like Uh, the the targets to Sammy Watkins were nowhere near him. Uh, So that was wild. Um, It's just a pretty hopeless situation. They're not even averaging 16 points per game over their last five. And they've had some great like. Detroit was the get right game um, and it all just got a little bit worse. Um, Aaron Jones is dinged now, probably going to play. But, you know, that doesn't help when your best player, like your one just truly gifted skill player is uh, is is hobbled a little bit like this is this is going to get messy in a hurry. The thing with Sammy Watkins, it's so funny to me, is like, yeah, you say it looked like they never met. And Watkins has been, I mean, one of the worst rece- I think he's been the worst receiver in the NFL this year. I mean, he looks looks toast. Yeah. Uh, beyond, beyond toast. Um, they planned on Sammy Watkins like being a big part of this offense. Like they <laughs> they planned to walk into this season with Sammy Watkins as one of the top outside receivers on this team. So I don't it's just one of the most disjointed like things I can ever remember. Um on the on the Cowboys side of this though. They're coming off their bye week. You know, the Packers' pass defense has been better than their run defense. You know, Zeke is still not 100%. This could definitely be another big Tony Pollard week, even if they don't want to give him the bulk of the, the carries um, or they want to keep him to 30 snaps or whatever the hell the, the, the idea is there in Dallas. I think either way, another big Tony Pollard week seems like it's on the horizon here. Yeah, I, w- I would love to talk myself into a higher rank on Pollard. I just fear, you know, the possibility of Zeke coming back. And again, we've talked about it like Zeke's been fine this year. He's not been he's not been this huge problem for the Cowboys. And if you want, you know, if you want to run Zeke between the tackles and let Tony Pollard do all the fun stuff, that's that's cool. But a- as we get, you know, as as the the news hasn't been great on Zeke this week, except from Jerry Jones. Yeah. Jerry Jones always talks well. about it as if, oh, yeah, he's definitely going out there in my my zillion dollar running back is for sure going to going to play, you know, a ton of snaps and get 20 touches. But 
what we actually hear from Zeke and and everything that filters out from the team doesn't sound nearly as as encouraging. It would sure simplify the situation a ton if it if it boils down to just Pollard again. If that happens against Green Bay's defense as bad as they've been against the run this year, Pollard be a top five guy again. All right, we got a couple fun games here for the night ones. Uh, Sunday night football. Chargers at 49ers. 49ers are seven-point favorites. This game, I mean, a lot of good players. Should be a lot of fun. I'm curious, Charles, how do you think? How do you see this one playing out? Just because the Chargers have been d- definitely disappointing this year. Uh, they have layers of injuries. Like, these are probably the two most banged up, like, just consistently injured teams in the entire NFL. So, oh, boy, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see who comes out of this one. <laughs> um, but I am excited at least to see on the 49ers side all of these guys all together at the same time, because we haven't seen like a fully integrated CMC with a healthy Debo. I'm, I'm assuming Debo's healthy coming out of the bye. Um, like this all should be, I can't wait to, I just can't wait to see how this gets deployed and like who, who falls where within the target packing order. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, and it's also, it's a, it's a good defense to come out and, and have like a coming out party together. If, yes, it is. Uh, if the if last week's game get the Falcons was any indication because the Falcons they had moments where they were just running down the field against uh against the Chargers and you know that that's a team that maybe not standings wise but but when you look at the roster talent wise it's still very much in uh a, a rebuilding mode so uh I I think if you're at the 49ers you know you you should be coming out kind of expecting to be able to get whatever you want against uh, this Chargers defense. Like the linebacker play has been really bad. The interior play uh, hasn't been that much better. And like you said, they're they're really banged up on the defensive side of the ball. So I think this is a game where you can see a lot of like multiple 49ers players have have big games um, because they they just have like a really severe talent advantage over uh, over the Chargers defense. Like I think the the only thing that that I'll be worried about is if this gets into like blowout territory, like kind of early, because uh, on the flip side, uh, I think Justin Herbert is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, but the offense supporting cast from like a play calling standpoint and a health standpoint is not really allowing him to put up like these big production games. Like I thought the, the game he played on Sunday against Atlanta was like masterful when you go back and watch the tape. But then when you look yeah. at the stats, he finishes with, like 250 yards on five yards in the attempt. And I was like, wow. They're they're you know constipated on offense for lack of a better term. So you know I think maybe some some game script stuff could get out of hand if the 49ers get up big and maybe that won't help you get the receiving totals you're looking for. But I, I think in general, uh, 49ers offense for a lot of guys should be the play. Yeah, I got a feeling uh, Eckler's going to be coming into to Tuesday's tape and pretty tired from catching like another <laughs> 13 balls on 17 targets or whatever. Um, given just the state of this pass catching room, Andy, um, how are you feeling about this one uh, from like a fantasy angle? Um, yeah, to, to Charles's point, uh, it, thinking back to, to last week with Justin Herbert, um, like he got them, he got them out of some, some pretty impressive, like third and long situations, finding like leaning on Josh Palmer. Um, like it felt like the whole first half, Josh Palmer was catching, you know, uh, uh, I, like and Josh Palmer doesn't do anything after the catch, or at least didn't last week, no. right? Like it was a lot of like catch and fall stuff. No, but, never, never. He never does. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, Herbert. But it's was great that they that. get those dudes out in space so often. 
It's it's great. It's great <laughs> that they <laughs> exactly. I mean, like that's what they're down to. They're down to like kick returners and hey, I've been there with like in years of Bears fandom. I've I've rooted for teams that were down to like kick returners and guys who should not be starting wide receivers. Like that's my whole life as a football fan. Um, and that's that's kind of where the Chargers were. And Herbert was. Man, it was a really impressive performance. I thought I thought as well from Herbert, and it just didn't add up to anything really fantasy wise. On the other side, we talked about how uh, how easy this team is to run on. Like, and and Charles mentioned it as well. Like, just like the first series from Atlanta was like forty yard carry for Tyler Algier and Patterson just getting whatever he wanted, eight yards a pop. Right, like this is a super friendly run defense. Um, I didn't know like between like Barkley having an incredible matchup this week against Houston and McCaffrey having this gift of a matchup against chargers. Like I was, I've flipped those two as like my RB one on the week. I can imagine either one of them having like a four touchdown week, right? Like you can, I mean, backs can just get it, whatever they want against the chargers. They give up 5.7 yards per carry, which is just a hilarious number. Andy, don't don't hide your sicko traits here from from Charles either, because you did write an Isaiah Spiller note on the outline. Yeah, go ahead with I, that. I mean, I thought it was interesting that Spiller like <laughs> saw the field last week, and he saw the field like pretty early. Um, just yeah. like we'd kind of thought that you know, because fantasy manager, you have to keep track of who who was backing up Austin Eckler. Um, and it seemed like it was Spiller last week. Like that wasn't just like end of game stuff. No, it was a close game the entire way. But like Spiller yeah. was clearly in the plans and was on the field early in the game and uh, and seemed to play ahead of Sony Michelle, which is just a little thing to take note of. Hey, well, hey, listen, I'm, I'm making the joke here, Andy, but uh, I am also a disgusting sicko. And in my <laughs> my best like redraft team is pretty much anchored by CMC and Nick Chubb. So I was in dire straits last last week at a uh, at running back. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'll throw Sony Michelle. He's on waivers. I'll throw him. And all yeah. my other backups are hurt by weeks, all that stuff. So it's just hell. I was like, I'll throw Sony Michelle out there against the Falcons. Maybe he'll pop in a random touchdown because Josh Kelly's hurt. And it's like, oh, nope, he's been jumped by Spiller. So there's there's <laughs> that on that. But uh, yeah, that is an important thing to note uh, for by, uh, for running back stash season there towards the end of the year. Last game up here, NFC East special. Commanders at the Eagles. The Eagles are 11 point favorites. Charles, you shaking your head over there. Um, Taylor Heineke. I mean, is he going to survive this one? I, <laughs> no. I want him to serve. I, I want ODU's finest to survive. Cause he throws, he gets the ball to Terry McLaurin and that's literally all I care about. But I mean, this could get pretty, pretty ugly. Yeah. The, I, I, I know I, I, okay. Well, I, I, let me start with this. I tend to think that Taylor Heineke is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Uh, I agree. But the last not time, saying these much, two, but. not saying much, but the last time these two teams played, the Eagles sat Carson Wentz. I want to say nine times. Um, oh, so yeah. I look they, be, beyond just a, your quarterback holding the ball, uh, holding onto the ball too long that leads to sacks, which obviously happens like every time Carson Wentz plays. Uh, it, it the the Eagles have a huge. Huge, huge talent advantage in the, the when it comes to their defensive line versus uh, uh, the commander's offensive line. So uh, I, I I would expect Terry to still get his just because you know he, he's kind of like the only consistent option that that they have. Uh, but the rest of the offense, I think it's going to be tough because you know a lot of these plays they're just going to be dead as soon as the ball snap because like I said they're. There, there, there's a huge talent mismatch on the uh, offensive line, defensive line. 
I believe I believe by the way that McLaurin is the only receiver to go over 100 yards against uh, against Philly this year. He barely did it, but he did do it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, ha- it happened at like the end of the game too, right? It took forever because yeah. um, that was still a peak. Like, and again, Andy, I've said this many times in the podcast. I love Curtis Samuel. I'm like a longtime Curtis Samuel bro, but this was still in the like, okay, you're overdoing the Curtis Samuel stuff like early in the year, you know? Uh, they were still in that mode. Uh, I think they've gotten it right with like the target distribution being McLaurin 28%, Samuel at like 18%, and uh, your guy, Antonio Gibson, uh, at fi- like about 15, 16%. And I feel like this is actually a good spot for Antonio Gibson, who, um, you know, the Eagles, they have, you're right. Chuck, there's a huge talent disparity at the um, offensive defensive line there uh, for this game. At the same time, though, the Eagles are 31st in rushing success rate allowed. Like, yeah. you're going to beat this defense one way. You are going to run on them. Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, kind of a 50-50-ish split there. But Gibson is getting the passing down work at this point. J.D. McKissick, like, saw neck specialist last week and is not practicing this week. Yeah, um, th- I, I think there's a pretty wide talent gap between Gibson and Robinson, but the the commanders don't always always treat it as such. Um, I, I think Gibson is is McLaurin is clearly the safest play here. I think Gibson is right behind him, and I, like if you are in the unfortunate situation that I am in, a couple of places where I actually have both Robinson and, and Gibson, you re- you really I, I'm treating. How'd you Robinson back yourself into that? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Mistakes were made. Um, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't ideal, but yeah, like you can't you can't roll out. They were made. <laughs> you, can't, you can't roll with Brian <laughs> Robinson, especially in this one. Um, there's just there's no way that game flow in this thing is gonna suit uh, is gonna suit Brian Robinson. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting when 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 they picked him in the second round. I was like, wow, really? That's interesting because I I, I, don't know, th- I I think it was third it was third round but still third round regardless yeah yeah I, I was just like man I, I kind of had him pegged as like a, a late day three just like mm, we just need someone to fill a space for us but yeah, yeah and it's tough too because obviously he's overcome a lot Brian Robinson like I don't want to sit here and I don't want to sit here and say bad things about Aaron, uh, about Brian Robinson his freaking team is doing that Did you guys see the statement about yeah yeah. Dude, yeah, I, mean, yeah, we didn't talk, we didn't, I was going to say, we didn't even talk about this. Like, they're, this team's having a week right now. Yeah. They're always having a week. Like, there's never a calm moment. And then for them to say, like, wow, I can't believe that they're going to investigate us. And one of our players was shot. I'm like, what, what does that have to do with that? That's crazy. Yeah, and you're in the crime-ridden <laughs> streets of D.C. or whatever they basically implied there. I mean... Unbelievable. Uh, absolutely, absolutely unreal stuff. It almost makes Jim Irsay look normal. Almost, almost. I mean, but he's the one who called. <laughs> he's the one who called out Dan Snyder too. It's like, I mean, not a good, not a good situation. I mean, we might say that Irsay is in the top quartile of the top quartile of normal in the in the in the league. Yes, perhaps in the upper quartile of the quartile. Um, and, and by the way, we'll talk just touch real quick on the Eagles here. I mean, they they shredded this team last time. Uh, yeah. Last time we saw him, week three, uh, Hertz went crazy through the air. Devontae Smith had a big game. I, I actually think, like, I know Devontae Smith's been a little quiet in fantasy the last couple of weeks. This could be a big uh, bounce-back game for him. But, like, I mean, this is just like an everybody-in-the-pool type of game for the Eagles, who I've talked about several tidy teams. They're the tidiest team in the in the NFL right now because these it's just like they're big four dudes, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you start them all. It was not a competitive game last time, but um, it was it was 
it went as well as it could fantasy wise for not being a competitive game because everybody went off, um, you know, touchdowns for Brown, Smith, Goddard, Hertz went crazy. It was 24 nothing at half. And then, and then, you know, they, they kind of shut it down. All right, that is going to do it for us. We appreciate uh, you, Charles, for gracing us with your presence to talk about, you know, such storied NFL legends as Jalen Warren, Isaiah Spiller, <laughs> Jeff Wilson. I mean, that is – thank God we had you here to break this one down, buddy. The disrespect for you. You needed my expertise. Uh, I definitely wasn't the guy on Sunday when I was watching the falcons Chargers game and I see 28 with Spiller in the back. I was like, CJ? That was that was CJ. <laughs> <laughs> they wish so what year is it <laughs> oh man good stuff well we appreciate it uh you can follow charles on twitter at four verts you can follow andy at andy barons and if you want to uh, wouldn't suggest it you can follow me at matt Harmon underscore byb if you don't feel like following us um, I get it. You can follow at Yahoo Fantasy and they'll retweet our good tweets into your timeline if and when we have them. As always, Scott will be back with me on Monday morning to recap this great week. I mean, it's not it's not a great week. <laughs> this <laughs> what it what it is. This this week, this 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 slate of games, week 10, he'll be back to recap all of them on Monday morning. Until then, we're out.